Hey there, you're listening to Frequency Conversations, where we talk about the kingdom of God invading every space in every way. My name is Jeshua, I'm the host, and this week I'm sitting down with Julian Adams to talk about his new book, Terra Nova. Terra Nova means new earth in Latin, and the book is all about your call to redeem the earth and make all things new. This book carries an incredible message of hope in redeeming and restoring the earth, which I think is an incredibly timely and important message that's relevant to each one of us. I think you'll love this conversation. And if at any point you decide you want to grab a copy of the book, it's available at frequentsee.org slash terra-nova. Enjoy. Alrighty, here we are again. Um, back at the Frequency Conversations podcast. Yay, and another one. Yeah, this time I'm just sitting down alone with Julian. Um, we are in the midst of coronavirus craziness right now at the time of recording this podcast. What a crazy season. <laughs> it has been crazy. And so we've had to make a few adjustments. Um, and so as much as Katya would have loved to have been a part of this recording, um, she's taking a shift with the kids and Julian's here with me recording. So um, thanks everyone for your understanding. We don't know what it's, how long this is going to last, what life is going to be like by the time this uh, is released. Coronavirus, hopefully. Yeah. So we know this has affected so many of you. So, But um, that's not going to stop us from talking about this exciting topic today. We're actually going to be sharing a little bit about Julian's new book um, by the time this podcast is out it will be up for pre-order, which is really, really exciting. Julian, I know you've been working on this book for a really long time. Um, it is yep. called Terra Nova, which means new earth in, it's Latin, right? Latin. Latin, yeah. new earth. And the subtitle is Fulfilling Your Call to Redeem the Earth and Make All Things New, which is really, really cool. So super exciting. Yeah, Julian, why don't you just to start off just tell us um about this book. What is where's it come from um and what's your heart behind it? Yeah, I think um the journey really began from when I began to understand and discover what the gospel really is about. Um for the longest time I thought the gospel was about salvation, uh which it is. I thought it was about me getting saved and going to heaven, which it is. <laughs> but then I began to hear and began to read and began to discover that the gospel actually, when Jesus talks about the good news, it's always in the context of the kingdom. It's the good news of the kingdom. It's not a gospel of salvation. It's not simply a gospel about the church. It's a gospel of the kingdom. And when you begin to study what the kingdom looks like, you begin to realize that the kingdom is meant to cover all things. The Bible promises us that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Everything is meant to be covered um, with his glory. And I began to get impacted by some amazing theologians, in particular George Eldon Ladd, um, the good um, Bishop N.T. Wright, um, and their worldview began to, uh, which I believe is a biblical worldview, began to reshape the way I thought about the supernatural and the kingdom of God. That actually God's kingdom uh, began uh, in what culminated in the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. 
Um, and that inaugurated a whole new era, a new way of being, a new way of demonstration that now we get to partner with heaven in making all things beautiful, in redeeming everything that was lost. Mm. Jesus himself says, I came to seek and save that, not only those, but that, everything that was lost mm. in the Garden of Eden. And so really it's a journey of me discovering what the kingdom looks like and how we infuse the prophetic how we infuse a supernatural worldview that means we get to engage with God, partner with God in every sphere of society. That's exciting. I love that. That's a lot. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's really what it's about. Yeah. You you kind of started hitting on this point, but one of my favorite things that you talk about in the book um, is the this Eden narrative of bringing the what God created in in the garden Garden of Eden. And his intentions during that time were, are still his intentions today. Can you talk a little bit more into that and how you figured that out? Yeah, I, I believe God's original intent is still his intent. And uh, you see that in the creation story, in the Eden story, heaven and earth are joined in, in a perfect um, connection. There's no separation between the spiritual and the physical. There's no separation between... Um, what's holy and what's physical, you see them connected together in the way that the relationship is developed and in the way that creation is uh, demonstrated. And God gives this commission to Adam in that context to extend the borders of Eden wherever he goes. Um, And you know the story because of sin, God in his grace and mercy has to ask Adam to leave the garden in order to re- um, not re-institute, but in fact to begin the work of, of saving all things and redeeming all things through Jesus. And we see the Bible often describe um, Adam, natural Adam, as the first Adam, and we see Jesus, who is the second Adam, redeeming everything that was lost in the garden. So the whole passion narrative, the whole story um of Jesus redeeming the earth, particularly in terms of the cross and the passion towards the cross, um, begins in a garden where he chooses the will of his father, where the first Adam chose his own will. Jesus chooses the will of his father, and it begins this cataclysmic era change that releases his kingdom all over the place. And, And God's original intention that was lost through man's disobedience in the Garden of Eden is restored in the Garden of Gethsemane, as it were, where Jesus once again, as fully God, but also as fully man, says yes to God above his own will and his own desires, and in doing so, restores the Eden mandate, the Eden um, call to extend the Garden of Beauty, the Garden of of intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all over the earth. Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's that's really intriguing. I think a natural question um, in response to that is: It sounds like you're you're very hopeful that things are getting better and better. And how does this affect for for those of us who um, may have had a an eschatology or an end times theology that things are going to get worse and worse and worse before they get better. How do you reconcile those two um, in the recreation of the garden and stewarding what God has for us and um, this impending doom that so much of the the church kind of believes? Yeah, I think when you look at the roots of some of the eschatology uh, that we now believe in 
a number of local churches. Mm. Um, it, it is connected to something that is extra biblical. It doesn't follow the narrative that Jesus um, initiates in the Gospels in his discourse around what it's going to look like when mm. the kingdom of God fully comes. We see that in the narratives that Jesus demonstrates, everything that is evil, everything that is anti-God is removed from the earth, and God makes all things new on the earth and redeems the whole earth. And the call of the church is to be a prophetic picture of that. We model now what heaven's going to look like on earth to make it easy for people to jump in, to make it easy for people to encounter the king of the kingdom. And I think for me, I hold two tensions together always. The kingdom has come in the person of Jesus um, through his life lived, through his uh, death, through his resurrection, his ascension, and now being seated. Um, and through this understanding that the kingdoms of this world are being made the kingdoms of our God. That means that whilst Jesus is eternally king, he's also becoming king mm. over everything. And uh, <laughs> the hopeful picture is that Jesus wins. Um, yeah. And that the aim of the gospel is not for us to escape the earth. The aim of the gospel is for the kingdom of God to redeem the earth mm. and make all things new. new. Our relationships, our family, the very physical earth is going to be redeemed and renewed. The Bible says it's waiting and longing for that redemption. And here we are sitting in this context of the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, people are freaking out. I've heard some really bizarre prophetic words and prophecies mm. about the end times. And all I want to tell people is to relax. Uh, the reality is God is not um, God is not moved by the threat of a virus. He's moved by the hearts of his people. Wow. And he is breaking in. He is making all things new. And the thing that we consistently seem to forget is that wherever the enemy tries to bring an advance of his kingdom, even what the enemy does in darkness, even what the enemy does in um, trying to bring destruction, God turns around and uses that for our good and for his glory. And so I think being happy to live in the tension of the now and the not yet gives me a sense of hope um, because Jesus is alive. Mm. Because what he said is true, that like actually all things are being made new. Yeah, that's exciting. I um, I was actually talking to someone about about your book about Terranova and how I think, <clears throat> excuse me, specifically within this context of coronavirus, um, it's been a huge inconvenience for people at best, and then tragic for people at worst. But um, it is causing a lot of the church. Um, community to reevaluate what their faith looks like in community, um, both digitally and now. Now, once thing, things start getting back to normal, I think people are going to have a different perspective on on the church and what it means. What do you hope this book does and brings to church communities um, to see this Eden perspective kind of come to life? I I think that one of the roles of a prophet in society is to release hope and articulate hope because hope unlocks desire, unlocks imagination. And I am trusting that after the season of what feels like restraint, 
that it will give the church permission to innovate again. Mm. Uh, God's called the church to be the primary agent of this good news of the earth being redeemed. And we need some people who are increasingly uh, thinking through the lens of um, innovation, new ideas, reimagining what it looks like for his kingdom to come. The ancient truth of scripture, the ancient truth of Jesus is never going to change. But I do believe God wants to give the church permission to innovate, to rethink, to reimagine, and to articulate hope in a fresh way so that the world is caught up into, for lack of a better phrase, a hope-filled frenzy of expectation. I love that hope-filled perspective. I think a church or the church today needs a dose of that for sure. That's exciting. Absolutely. Um, just more on a, on a personal level with you, you um, obviously writing a book is a big deal. I would love to know, this is your, your four, fourth or fifth book now? I think it is it's, my it's your fifth, fifth book. book. Yeah, yeah, fifth book. And um, I know you've been working on it for a long time. I've been a part of that process a little bit, and it's been amazing Thank to watch. Thank God for you, Jessica. <laughs> but uh, what what's that like? What how does it feel now that it's it's going to be out there and people are going to be reading it? <laughs> yeah, you know the thing about theology in many ways is that it's always evolving. And so when you put your thoughts on a paper, it's kind of, it's there. Everyone gets to see it. Um, and yeah, I, I often feel nervous. Have I uh, eternalized some thoughts that God might change later? I don't know. Um, but what I do know is what I'm carrying for our generation, particularly for millennials and Gen Zers, is a passionate cry to awaken the way they think. Mm. And, and to unlock um, a new dynamic of engaging with culture. And this book really is about how do I engage the purposes of God in culture, in my sphere of influence, in um, the space that God's put me in uh, for the sake of his kingdom, for the sake of his fame, and for the sake of, you know, Bill Johnson uses this phrase, representing God. Mm. And I feel like we need to represent a kind papa um, in this season of, you know, I can't help but talk about coronavirus, <laughs> so if we're out of yeah. it, forgive me, but the the amount of judgment words that I'm seeing, you know, pasted on Instagram and Facebook and whatever other social media, um, Twitter, um, it's just so devastating because what the world does not need to see is an angry God right now. Mm. What the world needs to see is Jesus, because he's the full representation of who God is. And when Jesus encounters leprosy, when Jesus encounters pain, he has compassion and yeah. he heals those people. And that's the aim of the church, to bring healing and redemption um, and so when I've written this book, there's so many emotions, but my prayer is that that would be the over, overarching sense that people walk mm. away with. Um, it's super vulnerable. Um, yeah, I, I share stories <laughs> of my childhood in there. I share, um, yeah, it, it's vulnerable. Um, but I, I feel like God's on it, and I feel like it's a word for this season. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't agree more. I think the timing is perfect of this book. 
um, the message is new, it's fresh, and people are going to love it. Um, some of the themes that I love in the book are um, you talk about spiritual intelligence, which um, we can't, we don't have time to go into in this uh, podcast. So you'll just have to get the book if you want to hear more about that. We talk about prophetic, or you talk about prophetic personalities and how your how you hear from God and how He develops that conversation relationship with you. Yeah, the um, prophetic personalities thing I think is the funniest bit of the book. Yeah, it's really fun. I think you'll see yourself in it and. It will give you real tools mm-hmm. to then recognize when God is speaking outside of a church meeting and there's not some great worship leader playing the song, but actually he breaks into the inconvenience of your day and speaks yeah. to you and gives you an opportunity of favor. Yeah, totally. I think it this book builds perfectly on your, your last books, which um, were about one gaining heaven's perspective was about how to hear the voice of God. It's your own personal story of that. Um, Kiss of the Father is about relationship with the Holy Spirit and the importance of that. And this one is taking that to the next level. It's not a manual on on the prophetic. It's actually what does the prophetic do? What what can it do in your life? And how can yeah. it actually redeem the earth and make all things new? It's it's an awesome message. So. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, I love it. So I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll shout it from the rooftops. This book is amazing. Um, if you're looking for it, um, you can go to our website, frequentsee.org slash terra-nova. You'll find it right there. It's available for pre-order. And um, yeah, it'll be available on all online bookstores, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble. So go ahead and have a look on our website and you will find everything about Terra Nova. Yay. Great. It was great to sit down with you again, Julian, and we'll see you guys next week for another episode. Cheers. Thanks again for listening to this episode with just Julian and I. Um, We'll be back again with more episodes next week. So glad that you've joined us. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, um, and leave us a rating and review in whatever podcast platform you're using. That really helps us Um, get more listeners. We want to get this message of the kingdom of God out to as many people as we possibly can. And as always, if you're looking for more resources, head over to our website, frequentsee.org.